ladies and gentlemen, and welcome once more to After the Movie. My name is Erica. Sitting across from me, as always, is Bob. Yo. And it's been a minute, but we have a good reason. (laughs) (laughs) If you don't listen to uh, Subtle Interference, where I believe we covered uh, our... our, I mean, we haven't really had a... uh, uh, what would you call it? A hiatus from that, because Alex is very insistent we record every other week. Yeah, we've, we've got we've got someone holding us accountable. <laughs> we only really missed maybe a little bit there. Uh, but uh, so, if you don't listen to Subtle Interference, the uh, reasoning for our uh, uh, hiatus for a couple months is uh, we uh, had a baby. Ten weeks early. <laughs> <laughs> My placenta decided to try and kill me, so uh, I had to go to the hospital and have an emergency C-section. So we're about uh, eight weeks out of that now. Uh, I'm feeling great. Uh, Our uh, daughter, unfortunately, is uh, still in the NICU, but hopefully coming home soon. So uh, we apologize if you've been sitting at the edge of your seat after our Hellboy episode with uh, special guest Jack. Uh, But here we are to uh, have another discussion. Uh, about a movie. And this is going to be one of our uh, overly indulgent episodes, folks, so strap the fuck in. <laughs> I got a lot to say. You thought the Pacific Rim episode was long. Woo! Woo! Prepare yourselves. Well, it, 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 if you didn't get this from the title of the episode on your download... Oh, do we, do we put titles? Yeah, we, usually, we, I, we always put the name of the movie. Do we? Yeah. Oh. Do you not listen to our podcast? Oh, I ex- I, I extensively listen to our podcast. <laughs> we watched uh, Batman, the 1989 Tim Burton. Uh, Let's say, we can say masterpiece. <laughs> you can say masterpiece. Tour de force uh, in glorious 4K. It, it, yes. Um it 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 didn't you know it did look really good. It looked. Here's the thing, guys. I think the only thing that doesn't look stunningly beautiful in 4K is the shit that is, I'd say, your late 90s, early aughts CG fests. George Lucas. Your your Phantom Menace eye, if you will. I do. I would like to watch Phantom Menace when they inevitably give a 4K cut of it, just to see how bad it well, is. Well, here's the thing, Robert. Here's the thing, the unfortunate thing, is we've got a uh, the final Star Wars movie coming out in a scant few weeks, uh, and we're due for a rewatch. And as much as I do not want to watch those first three movies again, I think we have to do the saga. So... I think we have to do the saga, Bob. So, a few... Yes, maybe. Let's think about it. That's a commitment. It is a commitment. That's eight movies. And it's entirely possible that I'm going to get ten minutes into Phantom Menace and be like, no. <laughs> see, Can we just skip to, to a new See, hope, what please? we need to do is we need to drag some poor unfortunate soul into that watch with us. Now, why are you going to say that and act like I'm not going to start singing? <laughs> <laughs> Best villain song? It's in the team photo. Anywho. We got a little distracted. Oh, how do you like bring that up and we don't have a 20-minute conversation about the best villain song? <laughs> it's that. You've got uh, Dark Horse is uh, uh, greatest world's greatest criminal mind from fucking uh, uh, Great Mouse Detective, which is a great movie. And you don't want Disney Plus. No, I don't. 
Hey, who's the funniest villain? Funniest? <sighs> I mean, hey. Hades is in that conversation. Scar. Funny. Scar's in there. Scar's campy, though. Scar's campy. Be Prepared is in the best uh, uh, villain, villain song as yeah. well. I think those are the top three. In no particular... Uh, Poor Unfortunate Souls is number one. And then uh, World's Greatest Criminal Mind, which is... It's Vincent Price. It's We went... Who's having a fucking blast. We went Batman to Star Wars to Disney. What did I say? What, what did I say? <laughs> it's going to be a long episode. Okay? But... There's, but no, there's, there's connections there because uh, 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 Tim Burton is currently owned by Disney. Uh, also was an animator there. Uh, back in the day, mm-hmm. so there's there's connections there. Robert. Well, and um, of course, Nightmare Before Christmas, uh, which was his he produced, mm-hmm. and it was his concept. Uh, it was Henry Selick that actually d- directed that movie. Yeah, but his fingers are like oh, just his fingers all over are all it. over that pie right. for sure. But it was Henry Selick sure. that directed, um, which people you know kind of get twisted because Henry Selick also went on to the uh, direct Coraline, which is a fucking awesome movie. Anyway, um. It's like how Steven Spielberg presents Animaniacs. What did he actually do on that? I don't, you know, I don't know. But anyway, matter. So doesn't matter. Let's uh, not remake that. Let's leave that alone. Yeah, please don't touch that. They're doing it, but they shouldn't. But anyway. So, anyways, glorious 4K. Glorious 4K. Um, you know, there were definitely spots where, the like the first time you see Batman. This dead CG there is like, oh, well, it's boy. not CG. That's actual animation. It's hand-drawn animation. Was it? It stands out yeah. a lot. But, uh, yeah, that's an, it's animated. Yeah. That's, that's animated. The spotlights at the end are animated. Yeah. And Joker falling at the end is animated. But, you know, it doesn't look it doesn't look bad in a way that, like, bad CG looks bad. It just, you can tell it's older. And that's fine. Right. Well, yeah. it's the same with the miniature work in this yeah. movie, which, oh. There's some great miniature work. Stunning. Just the level of detail that they put into the miniature work, I miss that, Bob. Yeah. I miss that. But there's definitely parts where you can tell it's dolls hanging off of something small, yeah. swinging back and forth. But you know what? I don't care because I appreciate the artistry that went into the, the miniatures in this, the matte paintings are stunning oh, in this yeah. movie. Just, uh, it, it's one of those movies that you look at it, it just the, I, I also wanted to talk about just the art direction and like the, the set design. Yeah, before we go into to, to kind of the, the art behind the technology, I just want to call out one thing sure. go ahead. in the technology behind this remaster, and that is... Um, the HDR aspects of it. Uh, but why don't you explain what HDR is for the people at home? So HDR is, it stands for high dynamic range. Um, and there are two, there's a high dynamic range and like still photography is a little different than high dynamic. Well, it's completely different than high dynamic range in video, but the effect without going into the, the immense detail of it, it basically gives a much wider color palette and makes thing and can gives you gives the uh creators a much a lot more options to make things really pop and to look the way they actually would and the effect that it has in this movie i, I mean it's gotham it's grays it's darks 
you know, there's not a lot of color, but where color does come through, it pops. It pops. The carnation, like, oh my God, it's like jumping out at you as Their if it were 3D. The reds in this movie are like red. Even the blue car at the beginning. Oh yeah, it really, it really, really like pops jumps out, out at you. Another scene where uh, that you wanted to call it out was uh, uh, just the color, because it really, it's very stark, is when... Uh, 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 Nicholson has the facial surgery. Yeah. And you have that blinking red light on the left-hand side of the screen. Mm-hmm. It really kind of, it really pops. And I've seen I've seen some HDR that's just a little over the top. Like, it goes to, it's like they push it to, like, oversaturation, and it, it kind of just looks hokey. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it the this remaster did a really good job of it. So, and... Just the whole... Oh, oh, Please, or, well, and that the that great technology um, that add that they were able to this is this is a good example of a film where advances in technology have added to the original product versus taken away. Well, and I think one of the great things, uh, just in regards to color palette in this, is you really, at least I did this watch. I've I should say I've seen this movie. A hajillion times. We watched this. This was on heavy rotation in the uh, in the household when we were kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad's a very big Batman fan, and this is one thing we're gonna call out. Uh, we're calling him out here. He's a dork. He's a nerd, and that is where I come from. So it's it's. He wants to sit there and think he's not. I'm sorry. Yeah, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, he begat me, and that—that's where we are here. Um, but uh, uh, so we we had this as kids, probably earlier than we should have seen it, because I was what five in '89. So this would have yep. come out on that was summer of '89. Uh, this came out, I believe. So you figure that tape's not coming out until '90. Ish. Yeah, and back then movies you had to wait forever out. for yeah. shit to come out. But so five or six when this was like a heavy rotation, right? Um, but no, we watched this a fuck ton to the point where there was an ad at the beginning of the the tape for it was Daffy and it was Bugs and they were hawking Warner Brothers shit. Mm-hmm. So before you could go to like wherever you know, go online and buy your favorite uh, corporate logo bespackled like baseball hat. Uh, uh, there was like a phone number you could call to get a catalog to order shit out. Mm-hmm. I just remember them talking about a Warner Brothers ball cap that's like in, in, embedded in my brain, you know, for all time. It's just <laughs> funny. But no, I, I have a, a deep love of this movie and seeing it in glorious 4K just... Well, and I was, I was glad that it... Well, you it, had a secret shame coming into this, Robert. Please tell the people what your secret shame is. I don't think I'd ever seen this movie from start to finish. I found this appalling, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, appalling. I, I really don't think I'd ever seen it before. I, I mean, I know I've seen parts of it. Um, like, maybe I've started it and, like, fallen asleep or something. I don't At know. Some, yeah, you've fallen asleep. I'm not telling that story again because we've told it a lot on this show, but fuck you, you've fallen asleep. So you have you've seen the the whole movie, but not all at one time. Right. I, I like if you had asked me before we watched tonight, 
Tell me what happens in Batman 1989. You know what happens in Batman. I mean, I know the the broad strokes, but I couldn't tell you exactly. Like, I couldn't tell you how it ended, really. Like, I well, could. Now you're, you're making me mad now. I know. Now I'm getting mad. You know, at least you're not pregnant anymore. That's true. <laughs> I'm very happy to not be pregnant anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> At least that you got a bunch of shit happen as we did, but we digress. So no, it was we. I actually picked this up on 4K. Uh, I, I I think I messaged you. I, I was working, and I was like, "Do we have Batman '89 on 4K?" And Bob's like, "No, I think that. I'm like, "Good, I already ordered it on Amazon. It, <laughs> it, it should be at the house tomorrow." And we just didn't have a, a occasion to watch it, and we've mm-hmm. been wanting to get back into the swing of things here uh, for you, the dozens. Um. And, uh, yeah, we finally had a minute, and I was like, fire that son of a bitch up and throw it at our heads. So, here we are. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, so, one th- we were talking about color palettes and stuff. I think, um, one, you have that whole really gothic, uh, they call it in uh, the Batman the Animated Series, is the dark deco style mm-hmm. that you see in this. And it's it's just stunningly beautiful. But what I really like is you have all these... Very muted color palettes, and then the fucking Joker waltzes in, and he's fucking, like, really saturated, like, purples and blues, and, like, right. it's fucking great, because he really stands out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got Miss Basinger in these, like, white dresses. Uh, that uh, first white dress. It's like a fucking wedding dress. You're it's like, ridiculous. what are you doing? Like, what are you wearing? But, so she really, like, is is stark against the uh, the darks of the, of the movie, and it, it's just gorgeous mm-hmm. it's absolutely beautiful uh just to watch this movie and then the plot isn't isn't great no but it's just to me it's the aesthetic mm-hmm. and just the fact that we're we're having fun making this movie yeah like jack nicholson is having a blast mm-hmm. making this movie and it really just comes through in in, in the final product mm-hmm. um is this the most iconic Danny Elfman score? Because the man has done a bunch, and he's all—he also did the Simpsons theme. Yeah. So it's a, it, I think it's a tough question. Um, I—it's a tough question, but I—I I do think, I do think this is his piece de resistance. Um. Because he has also yeah. done other superhero movies. Oh yeah, yeah. He, he did the Sam Raimi, at least the first two Spider-Man movies. Yeah, but I can, like I can't even think of that. I mean, I can because I've watched that second yeah. movie probably. But I mean, people times, know the Batman. You hear theme. those first few bars of the Batman theme, you're ready to fucking party. Mm-hmm. So other question for you, yeah. which we have discussed at length: most iconic theme, Superman or Batman? I still give it to Superman. And I give it to Batman. No, I... Not shitting on the Superman theme, because it's also a great theme. Yes. I... The reason I give... Composed by John John Williams. The reason I give it to Superman is you hear Superman and... I think it's largely emotional, because you hear Superman and it's that hopeful theme right mm-hmm. and just the way it makes you feel very bombastic yeah very, like i yeah. mean batman is iconic and 
you you but you immediately go into that world of Batman, which is very dark. Um, unless you go to the original, the original series Batman theme. <laughs> uh, also iconic, yes. in its own way. <laughs> We we are not here to shit on the Batman show from the sixties. Oh no, yeah, it's you c- choice. Yeah, you you should definitely go back and watch that movie because it's it's a blast. You know, <laughs> it's just a it's a good time for everybody. Oh man, um, you know, why it's- doesn't Batman dance anymore? That's Adam West on the subject. Sorry, can't help myself. Oh, Adam West. I love that he was. They got him on Family Guy. Hey, what was he doing? He's not doing. He, he was just the mayor of Quahog. Just great. Not doing anything. Um, so you know, yeah, the environment, and this is one of those ones where it's like, you think of early uh, Tim Burton and just the parallels to Guillermo. Well, that was what I really wanted to talk about because you're looking at the sets, like. You look at Gotham in this movie, and granted, they had, like, that one monarch uh, theater, and you've got the hotel. They're using the same kind of street corner for, like, everything, Mm -hmm. but I I don't care, because it's gorgeous. Yeah. And it looks lived in. Well, and and it was also a different time in Hollywood, Mm -hmm. you know, where now, uh, you know, they throw so much money at movies, it's mind-boggling. Yeah. Um, They're also expecting them to make... A hajillion dollars. Yeah, yes. but you know they they have enough money to throw at a movie like Pacific Rim that they really don't believe in that Guillermo can still make it unbelievably detailed. You go back to the eighties, and you know that that kind of money just wasn't there. No. So no. you know, in in this the Gotham they created fortunately worked. Um, oh, for yeah. that yeah. because you know it wasn't it you know there wasn't a lot of intricacy in the detail but the detail was there that needed to be there you know it really built that gothic environment but even in those cast off one off sets like the aforementioned uh, Nazi mob doctor because there's no way he's not a Nazi and just, <laughs> that's how I had canon it that set is so grimy and yeah. so detailed. And just when they cut to the, when the guy goes, I look at what the tools I have to work with. When they cut to the like bloody fucking nasty, like what the, f- they're not, it's not even like normal looking shit. It's like, what are you working with? It's just <laughs> so like evocative and they just make really good use of what they have. And mm-hmm. it's just this disgusting, like it's, it's a mob doctor. Like, fucking office and it's it's just great with that again we talked about that red blinking light from earlier it just it gets you to where you need to go I, you and know, they're memorable and it's it's yeah. stuff that sticks in your head because it's composed in such a in such a way that it, it, there's a there was a love there and a care there that you you definitely see with Guillermo del Toro films now mm-hmm. now I haven't watched a Tim Burton movie in Fuck, I think the last one I saw, I think, was that Charlie and the Chocolate Factory remake. I saw that in the theaters. I'm sorry. I, yeah, well, you know, we all make mistakes, but <laughs> I believe I also saw the Phantom of the, uh, no, Phantom of the Apes, the uh, Planet of the Apes. Mm. Uh, the Mark Wahlberg we, one? Oh, oh my, yes, in theaters Ooh. as well. That was a rough sit. Oof. Rough sit, Robert. 
Well, and and we've talked about this at length. It just seemed like you look at um, Tim Burton as he's gotten older, and it feels like he's just kind of trying to pump out, you know, just vintage like Tim he, Burton. He got tired. Yeah. You know? Because there Spielberg. is there is a there is an aesthetic that you think of when you think Tim Burton must much in a way where you think Wes Anderson. You know what kind of movie, at least the visual kind of. But I would argue the difference between a Tim Burton and a, and Wes Anderson. I'm not going to say a Tim Burton or a Wes Anderson because there are others like them. Mm-hmm. But between the two of them, Wes Anderson, while there are visual elements that are very similar between them and certainly the writing style and um, certain, the cast. Certain themes, casts, sure. He he persistently reinvents himself. His movies are still good. And, you know, look, go from the Royal Tenenbaums to Grand Budapest. Grand Budapest. And in the Grand Budapest where they incorporate all sorts of you know, these miniatures and these weird cutaways and... The aspect ratios. Yeah, like, there's a lot more to... I, I feel like Wes Anderson continues to try to reinvent himself. He, you know, he went into that stop a- stop motion world. Um, a Fantastic Mr. Fox and, uh, uh, what is it, Isle of Dogs? They're mm-hmm. great. I, a fun fact, I watched Isle of Dogs on a plane. I'd love to watch it on our TV. But I definitely started bawling on the plane while watching that movie. <laughs> uh, super fun time. But, um, but, but where Wes has seemed to still have his love of film, mm-hmm. Tim Burton just seems tired. Now. Yeah. And maybe, I mean, I didn't see Dumbo. I was pleased it had Danny DeVito in it. But I don't know. Maybe it was a good movie. I don't know. I just, I had no desire to see it. No. You know, whereas with Wes Anderson... If I hear there's a new Wes Anderson movie, I want to see the new Wes Anderson movie. Just like Guillermo. There's a new Guillermo del Toro movie. My ass wants to watch it. You You do still need to watch Crimson Peak, by the way. I was not particularly drawn to Shape of Water, but I was like, this is going to... It's him. Yeah. You know you're going to have a good... It's not going to be a bad movie. You know, and it's... I, I love these directors that are focused on world building and the environment around... Everything. Well, because the great thing about that, Robert, is when you have this great world building and these, you know, rich characters that people are drawn to, people, you just get more excited about the films. Yeah. And you, you see these great fan communities created around it. Think about the original Star Wars. Oh, yeah. And the world that George Lucas accidentally, I'm convinced, built. Well, um, it wasn't just George. Again, the film yeah. is not. A single. A single. Person. He had the idea. It was saved in editing, if you listen to the stories. Yep. But it's what everybody brought to that film, and especially with that first Star Wars movie, we used to talk about this a lot, is that art from adversity. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was one thing when I used to write for the wrestling blog back in the day that I talked about a lot in relation to WWE. Because mm-hmm. when it's just you and you're king shit of fuck mountain and there's nothing that is in your way to stop you from you know achieving your your not your vision but your get what you want right you there's know? no there's no oh we have to think of a creative way to get around this right and when you have to do that that's where the artistry of film look at jaws kind of, exactly jaws is a perfect example of that 
Um, that's the problem with CG these days. Is it's yeah. that's why when you look back at these older movies, and you have this great miniature work, everything with the Batwing when the Batwing crashes at the end of this movie, that's all miniature. Yeah. When um, uh, it's doing the flybys like the trench in fucking Star Wars, it's all miniatures. Just think when they have those zoom ups on some of the speaking of a Batman movie and a particular use of practical effects. Christopher Nolan crashed a fucking plane. Yes, because he's a fucking maniac. But, I mean, it, it, it really... But it gives you... There's something this, tangible that you can hold right. on to then when everything is CG. Even go back to Pacific Rim, because we always fucking do. Because I can't fucking help myself. It's... it's in They're in those fucking Jaegers. Like, they're connected to something, and they're... Yeah. At least Well, and you listen to the detail so this is this is why CG is so hard because you don't always have a Guillermo who's gonna be sitting there saying, No, they're moving too fast through the water. They wouldn't be able to do that. Look at fucking Pacific Rim Uprising. You watch the two movies and it's like, okay, in this first one, I can see the care, the thoughts, they're moving too fast, you don't get like the size. In that second one, they're just moving way too quickly. And they don't let the scientists be together. So it's really just a failure from start to finish. But in Batman... Sliding it in wherever I can. You know you missed us and you missed my dumb shit. Speaking of Batman. (laughs) Batman. Batman. 89. (laughs) We love you, Jack. Forever Uh, and always. um, Well, and one thing you have to to look at is Batman 89 really set the table for Batman for the next 30 years. Extrapolate. Okay. So look at, um, the Gotham of Batman 89 and Batman, the animated series. Well, because Batman, the animated series is begat from 89. And that really set the tone, you know, and you look at the parallels between Jack Nichols and Joker and, Mark Hamill Joker. Well, that was one thing that I also wanted to talk about is with, uh, like Nicholson's performance in this, like it's 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 goofy, but it's goofy in a chilling way. It's not as menacing as Mark Hamill's Joker can be. He can get like he can get really well because we also spent more time. Yes. He. With, oh yeah. Time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, and you you're not with. Uh, Nicholson's Joker for that long. I, I think you don't really get the the menace with him until he starts poisoning the uh, uh, the products, right. all the like hygiene products that Gotham is using. And then later, when he's having the "Aren't I fucking great?" parade, and he has poison, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm just gonna fucking kill all these idiots because I'm just I'm looking to, you know, fuck Batman." Right. He stole my balloons. <laughs> when he kills Bob. Oh, it's great. Oh, poor Bob. You know, one thing I did, I noticed, though, uh, what, well, a few things. One thing that's hilarious about this is, and it ties into the whole, so when uh, uh, Bruce, uh, when Alfred gets, um, Jack Napier is becomes the Joker mm-hmm. uh, in this movie, he wants, uh, they find Jack Napier's, like, criminal profile, and they mention he was very, he's apt in, what is it, chemistry, and art, mm-hmm. which is like the Joker stylizes himself as an artist in this movie. Right. 
Um, and I think they it, it plays it up more. So, I, I've noticed it more in this viewing mm-hmm. than in previous ones. Because um, not only do you have the whole museum thing, but uh, uh, I forgot where I was going with that. The point. Flugenheimen or whatever. Oh, I wrote down the name. It's the Flugelheim Museum. Flugelheim. Just call it the Guggenheim. Flugelheim. Flugelheim. <laughs> oh, no. Each of his, you have, uh, he has this aesthetic, right? Mm-hmm. They've got Joker bomber jackets. They've painted the cars green and purple. Mm-hmm. And if you notice, and I didn't notice this in any other viewing, each of his lackeys or henchmen, even Bob, has scarring on their face in some way, which kind of... You see what he does to uh, uh, his girlfriend from the start of the movie, Jack Palance's... Uh, I don't remember the character's name. Grissom is the gangster's name, but it's Jack fucking Palance. Uh, he fucks up her face because yeah. that's his art, and he does it to each of the henchmen. And it's just cool to see that sort of carried on in the visuals of mm-hmm. the movie. Well, and, you know, speaking of visual storytelling, like when... They first, when the, the city realizes that it's cosmetics. It's the hairspray, it's the and makeup, they, and then, then you, you cut, cut to the, 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 uh, the news team, and they're, they're all like pale and pasty, and they got zits. The hair is all frizzy because no one's using the shit anymore. I love that. It's great because it's you're telling the story to me using the language of film. Mm-hmm. It's why I like, that's why I love movies, it's shit like that. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I think, you get to a point today where there's so much focus on quote unquote Easter eggs that aren't even Easter eggs anymore. Like they're because they're, I didn't, well, technically they're Easter eggs, but they feel more forced um, versus it's stuff- versus just actual doing a good job of telling the story. Right. And I don't know. I do mean to keep bringing up Pacific Rim, but it's just if you look at each of the sets in that and we've we've lauded this movie so much on this on this podcast, but each of those little spots in the Shatterdome, it it tells a story of a lived in spot, mm-hmm. you know, depending on the characters that are in that, you know, the, the fucking K-Science lab, you see like Mako's room. She's got the mock-ups, the, like the blueprints for the Jaegers because she's you know, involved in the uh, what the Mach three construction programs. Not that I know all of this stuff now, like extensively. Now, when I post this episode, should I put Batman slash Pacific Rim? <laughs> if you'd like to, Robert, I'm not going to stop you, and we all know I'm going to be the one editing and posting this. So maybe I'll do that. We'll see. It'll be Batman with a healthy slice. Healthy sliver of Pacific Rim. Well, one of the things I really liked was when uh, Bruce goes to, you know, put the flowers um, where his parents were killed. Like, the door that they're that he's standing behind is this overbuilt, like, ridiculous door that would never be... But it's interesting looking. Yes. And it, and it adds to the environment. Exactly. It adds to that whole you know, uh, a feel and uh, mood of that Gotham that they've built up. Look at something Mm -hmm. even like John Wick, you know? They do that in that, too, where it's like the environments really uh, uh, add to the story that they're telling. Uh, And I think an important point to make... See, I can bring up other movies. um, An important 
thing to remember with that, you know, I know this is something, uh, obviously we talk about this a lot in movies, but you got to remember, you don't have a lot of time with movies. Exactly. You know, you only have, you should only have two hours, um, but, you know, you, you, so you have roughly between 90 minutes and three and a half hours to... <laughs> To tell your story, and that's not a lot of time. Well, and that's why you have to use, when I talk All about the language of film, it's different than if you're describing it out in the, the language of like a book is going to mm-hmm. be very different than the language of a film. In film, you have to use all those little cues. You have to use the costuming, the 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 color palettes, because right. you, you have a very limited amount of time to say what you need to say. Right versus TV or books or where you it's more long form and you have yeah. time to hang out with the characters and you know kind of live in that universe. And that's the thing like people focus so much on the characters in in movies and I think that's so funny because of the constraint like they don't have that much time to breathe. Well, and this is one of the things that Sheila and I uh Sheila of uh, Oof I wrote that which I promise we're getting back to as well um uh uh, she is a book and tv person she's gonna take a tv show over a movie every time you know it'd be a lot easier to record that if they moved into the neighborhood (laughs) just saying just saying um because she feels you get more characterization and you do with a television show sure um so she's going to go TV every time. Now me, I thought what I and I like TV too, but the movies that I love and that I keep going back to are I feel really good about creating characters that you can latch on to and you do infer a lot about either through the environments, mm-hmm. through what they're costuming, like shit like that. Yeah. Well, and and there is you know, each medium has its strength. Um, movies are going to give you the big moments in ways that TV can't because of budgets. I mean, just straight. I think depending on the show. I mean, not to say TV shows can't have big moments, but you know, you're not getting the scene where Grant sees the Brachiosaurus in a TV show, and that's something you no. I might argue with that. What would be comparable? I would have to have a think. I would definitely have to have a think about it. But I I think maybe not in the same visual way, but you can evoke that same emotion that you have in that scene in TV as well, I would argue. I think, I just think on the scale is the difference. Sure. You know, you like... And, and that, and you know, I, something I want to talk about at some point, maybe a little bit here, is, you know, there there's a big argument right now between, you know, sh- th- th- that Steven Spielberg is seems to be spearheading, which is, you know, should direct to streaming movies be um, be eligible for Oscars, and there's a part of me that understands where he's coming from. Like, would that moment have been the same if I had seen it first on a TV? 
even one that's as good as the one we have. I mean, I I can again, I can kind of understand where he's coming from. However, I don't think that just because a movie was released on Netflix that it should be disqualified from yeah, and, and, Oscar and, and I mean, I'm not as the politics of Oscars, whatever, but I do think there is an well, argument that... Well, I mean, that it is all, it's, it's all just bullshit and marketing. Right, That's but all that it, is. It, it, there is. There are moments on, on the big screen like that. I think there is an element of that that heightens the effect of it. Well, and what's a conversation you'll have sometimes with people? Oh, uh, gravity. You should see gravity on a big screen. Yeah. Interstellar. You should see Interstellar on a big screen. Something where you can really appreciate... The madness that's going on. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about, like... Oh, here's an example. I mean, I don't know that anyone gives a shit about this movie anymore. Uh, Avatar. I didn't see Avatar on a big screen. I saw it on a really shitty, like, 15-inch, mm-hmm. not HD, just crappy little TV in my apartment a couple years after it came out. Because, quite frankly, I wasn't that interested. Now, if I had seen it on the big screen, would it have maybe meant a little bit more maybe I would have cared a little more maybe I would have been a little more in awe of all of the mm-hmm. you know CG rehashing of Fern Gully but that movie it does nothing for me first time you saw a Star Destroyer go across the screen oh you're in awe but I was it was on a TV though at a theater I didn't see those in theaters you didn't go and see those? No. <sighs> we, I believe the line was, you have these on VHS. Why do we have to go see it in the theater? I'm hurt right now. <laughs> yeah, I've never seen A New Hope on a big screen. See, that that was when they did, as much as I have problem with the special edition, uh, like to see that on the big screen was so amazing. Oh, there's a reason that I have a special place in my heart for uh, uh, The Force Awakens and why I get weepy at certain parts in that movie, too. Because it is it evokes an emotion in you. Speaking of that, though, um, like think about the end of The Dark Knight Rises. Does it have as much impact if it's not on the big screen? I mean, yeah, I get weepy at the end of that when we watch it here, too. And then there's a whole other conversation we're going to have at another time regarding the MCU because that is basically television no, in movie I, form. No, but I actually, <laughs> part of like the discussion, I think, with these older superhero movies, you have to compare them to newer superhero movies. Sure. Because one of the things I love about this is, and I wrote it in my extensive note-taking, Batman is already Batman. Yeah. And we don't know how long he's necessarily been Batman, but I'm not sitting through a rehashing of how Batman became Batman. And granted, this is the time where you would think that they would really do that because Mm -hmm. this is one of the, not the first Batman movie, but the first more, I don't remember, the one, uh, uh, the Adam West movie came out, I think in the 60s. Sounds right. So it's, you're like 20 plus years since Batman's been on the big screen. There's a certain, like, cultural consciousness of who Batman is. But 
not everybody necessarily, at least you could see the studios saying now, not everybody knows who Batman is. We have to explain his origin. And they do do it in this movie, but they do it in like five seconds. Yeah, it's quick. It's very quick. And it's really well done. I like that because it's kind of dreamlike the way they do that sequence. I love the part where they're, um, you've got a really, uh, it's like a low perspective of the family walking out of the movie theater. Mm-hmm. And then as they're walking down the street, they're, uh, footsteps fall into sync as they move across the screen. And it gives it this kind of really dreamy sort of quality, and I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, but they don't spend, you know, the first half of this movie isn't Batman discovering how to be Batman, and then we go on to have a really weak sort of sort of villain right. that we deal with in the latter half, which is really how you see the the first most of the first of the superhero movies now with the exception probably being uh spider-man homecoming yeah they didn't feel the need to redo that for a third time which good (laughs) on you because we didn't need to see that again um well it's a small story which is another thing that i appreciate it's mobsters it's a fucking crazy dude and there's no universe-spanning galactic threat. It's a small interpersonal movie. Mm-hmm. And it's refreshing. It's yeah. so refreshing. Mm-hmm. After, you know... And we like we love the MCU. I'm not going to sit here and shit on the MCU. I, I enjoy those movies. You enjoy those movies. We're going to continue to see them. But they do... It gets to a point where it is just like a little exhausting. It is, and you know it's. The, I think that's one of the reasons the Christopher Nolan trilogy, um, stands out so well because you know it is a contained little thing. Yes, it's three movies still, but you know it's just those three movies. Well, and I do think though that people have a problem. I don't. Uh, Dark Knight Rises is very polarizing. You either yep. really like it or you really don't like it, because it does get. It gets ridiculous yeah. in that one where we're like doing the whole no man's land with Gotham in that I love big, grand, gothic, operatic, stupid shit like that. That's Erica's bread and butter. Mm-hmm. So I, I dig the hell out of that movie. But I mean, even in that first one, it's, you know, you've got Ra's al Ghul, like we're here to burn Gotham to the fucking ground. And, you know, it, it's still... It's not the big laser firing into the sky and the fucking mm-hmm. intergalactic whatever the fuck coming through that we do all the fucking time now since Avengers, but, you know, it's just nicer to have a, just a quiet movie where it's just, yeah, there's these there's these mobsters. There's one who was a psychopath before. There's that moment with... um before he falls in the uh, uh, the chemicals at Axis, where he's meeting uh, Eckhart, who has the greatest voice of all time. <laughs> Just like, this, this, Eckhart is a dirty cop. He has an amazing voice. I fucking love him. Uh, he's meeting with uh, Napier to get his uh, payoff from the mobsters. And Nicholson gets this, this fucking look in his eye when uh, uh, Eckhart is talking back to him. And you can see he's a fucking psychopath then. 
Yeah. He's always been a psychopath. Now he's just like, now I can go to the nth degree. You right. know, I'm traumatized by whatever the fuck. And now I'm fucking crazy, too, on top mm-hmm. of it. I just don't give a shit anymore. And it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and, well, and, you know, we want to talk about Joker for a minute. Um, it's like, so you think about the the various iterations of Joker um, through the history of Batman in cinema. Um, of course, Cesar Romero, who wouldn't shave his mustache and is amazing for it. Fucking good on him, man. <laughs> I just put the grease paint over it. I'm not shaving it. Fuck then, you. Uh, you know, Jack Nicholson, um, Mark Hamill, uh, Heath Ledger. And, and it just stops there, right? Yeah. Didn't it didn't go any further than that. And you know, certain uh, and Joaquin Phoenix. Yes, which we, we haven't, haven't seen. seen yet. Yep. You know, and it, it, it was interesting watching this because you, you know Jack Nicholson's Joker and Mark Hamill's Joker are very similar. Yes. Um, and because they're begat from the same place. Right, and it's. But, and, you know, and, of course, Mark Hamill's Joker will always be my Joker. You know, oh, definitely. Growing up with Batman, the animated series. Um, but And it, he really took the role and kind of, he makes it his own. Yeah. But, you know, it's just, it, I very much appreciate what Nicholson does in this movie. He does lean into it. Oh, and it's great. Uh, <laughs> it's just, it's wonderful. Even, like... There's that I, I wrote the uh, what, the initial Joker reveal where he's coming out. You get that great silhouette of him in the uh, mm-hmm. in the elevator, and he comes in and he's lighting up uh, uh, Palance, and they've got that like waltzy sort of like circusy music playing in the background, and he's like shooting behind his back and shit, and he's just having a good time. It's great. So I'm I'm glad you brought up the music because. Um, Danny Elfman did the score. Yes. But you know who did all of the other music in this movie? Prince. Yes. And it's amazing. Oh, it's glorious. <laughs> it's awesome. It fits perfectly. It's just so, like, goofy and it's, you know, it's like... They both appreciate the color purple. I mean, yeah. it just, it fits. It just works. Well, that Party Man song where they're redoing the art in the museum. It's just, <laughs> it's outstanding. It, it, it was, it was, it was well executed just on both fronts. I miss those days where like, we're doing a Flash Gordon movie. Hey, you know who we should get to do the music? Queen. Oh, hey, we're doing this movie about these immortal beings that are fighting forever for this prize. And the only way you can defeat each other is by lopping their heads off. Who should we get to the cue the music for that? Fucking Queen, you know? Like, give me, like, a, a, a crazy, like, futuristic whatever the fuck, and then get Muse to do the music for it. I Like, that. just say that's the movie? I don't even know the fucking title. I will go see that movie. Or, like, the one good thing about, and I don't even think I ended up seeing it, about Tron Legacy was the fucking Daft Punk soundtrack. Oh, yeah, that was... It was fucking rad as hell, man. You know... I was quick aside on that. I was reading around. Evidently, people like remember Tron Legacy very fondly. Really? And I'm like, 
did you watch the same movie I did? Again, I don't think I ever actually sat through it because I heard it wasn't very good. And I don't have, like... But the, the original Tron is, like... It's glorious in its yeah. own way. But it's... I don't really care about it. I did love the soundtrack to uh, Tron Legacy. Oh, and Tron Legacy had a really good premise. Um, and it's just... I don't remember... Maybe I'll go back and watch it again. Just out of curiosity, but... Uh, maybe it's on Disney Plus. It is a Disney movie. Um, but do you uh, want Disney Plus, Bob? I thought we were under the imp- I was under the impression that you were ambivalent. The only You're going pretty hard though for it. The only reason is because Alex is watching it, and we could talk about it on Subtle Interference. Well, he's watching The Mandalorian. Yes, he's not watching Disney Plus. I know those two things are independent of each Let's other. Let's move on. Okay. Um, but. Yeah, maybe I'll go back and watch it. Um, what was it? You got me distracted. Yeah. I, either way, um, Keanu Reeves has to be in the Muse movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's fine. I don't know how. I'm not anti that. Keanu and everything, please. I'm fine with that. Let's do it. Fire it up. He put Keanu in everything. His uh, uh, older mentor can be Danny DeVito, and his little friend is Charlie Day. Movie! Done! We won, Bob. We won. Could you do Keanu Reeves v. The Rock? I don't know that you could do that movie. I don't... It's what I'm trying to think of. Because Keanu is a very, like... Keanu's not counting how many times he's getting punched and getting, like... You know, writing into the contract mm-hmm. that he needs to be punched less than the other guy. You mm-hmm. know? Keanu's just like, can we just make the fucking movie, please? Like, the coolest movie we can? Right. And then I'll give most of my money to the rad, like, special effects people who helped me look awesome because that's the kind of fucking amazing no. person I am. Here's what you need. Keanu Reeves v. Michael Keaton. Now. Like old man Keaton yes into it because he this. was so good as the vulture oh he was great in that movie killed it oh yeah oh uh, yeah. yeah 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 the only shitty thing in regards to like modern superhero movies and looking back at this Batman movie you almost wish that they hadn't killed off the Joker because having Nicholson in another movie would have been amazing yeah but and it, when you go into Batman Returns which is a Oh my god, we should do one on that too, because that that that's a movie. That's a that's a movie right there. You know who's in that fucking movie? Danny DeVito's in that fucking. Danny movie. DeVito's in that movie. And he's great. Uh huh. Uh, you got a lot of fucking. Michelle that's, Pfeiffer. Michelle Pfeiffer's up in that piece. You've got the Walken. Christopher Walken's up in the there. mayor, right? No, he's uh, Max Shrek. He's a oh. uh, wealthy industrialist. Oh okay. He's Selena yeah. Kyle's boss. Yeah. Okay. One of the nights we were in the hospital, it was on, and I gave it a rewatch. <laughs> It's, that movie... It's wonderful. It's so weird. Because they were like, oh, well, you did really well with the initial Batman. Go for we're it. We're doing a sequel. Here, carte blanche. Mr. Burton, you do whatever you'd like to do. And Tim was like, I'm going to show you guys what a fucking mistake that was. Let me show you how Danny DeVito is going to look throughout this film. <laughs> 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 it's grotesque and it's wondrous. So we've we've talked... A lot about a lot um, in this episode so far, uh, mostly not regarding the movie. Oh, no, but here, here, still, with the promise of, of the sequel, 
you had Billy D. Fucking Williams as yeah. Harvey Dentonness, and I didn't get Billy D. as Two Face somewhere down the line. That's a little upsetting. Well, we had to give it to Tommy Lee Jones two movies later. Who just seemed I I haven't seen Batman Forever in a minute. I know that he was like not having Jim Carrey just like at all on that. Oh, set. I could totally see Tommy Lee Jones just hating Jim Carrey, just hating life that yeah. whole that whole time. And I think the less I, there's been so much said about the Bruckheimer Batman's that it's almost not even worth like. Oh, you know, I, I like I, it's not worth. Yeah, you're right. Um, you know, there's been it's yeah. You either they're comical. They're they're a they're a, a chapter in the saga of Batman. They're they're there. They exist, and that's that's all. But we that, really need but to say. but it, it does raise a question that I have. Um, how do you feel about Michael Keaton in this movie? I think Michael Keaton did like a good job, but it's it's very clearly the Joker's movie, right? Like, he's got all the best lines. You know, Keaton is there. Keaton does well with what he's given, I think. Um, I think he does... The the best kind of job he does showing sort of the duality between uh, 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 Bruce Wayne and Batman is when he goes to see Vicki Vale in her apartment where he's trying to tell her, oh, I'm Batman. That whole relationship, too, escalates so fast. They have, like, a (laughs) one-night stand, and then Alfred's being like... Uh, they're talking about like marriage and shit. It's like okay, like you guys had a conversation. Let's pump the brake, please. Um, uh, uh, but so he's trying to tell her, oh, you know, I'm Batman. He's trying to be like sincere and like doing the whole Bruce Wayne thing. And then the Joker comes and he's like screaming about, oh, you want to get nuts? Let's get nuts, mm-hmm. you know. So I, I, I think for that scene alone, he does a pretty good job. Yeah, I, I'm not totally crazy about the awkwardness that he he displayed they have him do in this movie i'm kind of into that though because like you're you're a rich isolated weirdo yeah, yeah you'd be a little awkward you know mm-hmm. i i kind of bought into that i liked that it yeah. worked for me fair enough i mean because that's the thing i think about and you can't help but compare to other batman batman oh, batman if you will. Um, you know, because obviously Clooney, very, he's the... Clooney would have been a really good Bruce Wayne in a better Batman movie. Yeah. Because um, he's basically Bruce Wayne now. Christian Bale, wh- what I liked about Christian Bale's performance um, was there were three, he played three people. He played Batman, he played Bruce Wayne when he was putting on the show, and he played Bruce Wayne... When he wasn't putting on the show, but that's basically Batman, for the most part. For the most part, mm-hmm. um, but but I I do think of him as kind of three distinct characters. But I will also say though that those are his movies. Oh yeah, and this is not Michael Keaton's. Movie. No, this is Jack Nicholson's. Jack Nicholson is built first in this movie, and for good reason. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this is this is like. Oh, I'm trying to think of the apt wrestling comparison. <laughs> I'm just thinking, well, it's basically whoever is up against Chris Jericho. 
<laughs> now, Chris Jericho is, I mean, say what you will about him, but homie's a real good talker, and he's killing it in AEW right now. Um, he was always a great talker, though. I mean, that, that list to the thousand and four holds, like, <laughs> stop. Stop it. Stop it. It's great. Um, uh, uh, but no, this is Nicholson's movie. Yep. Through and through and through. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, he owns it and it's delightful for you know what it reminds me of it reminds me of tom hardy and mad max and how it's furioso's movie yeah yeah i could see that it's very similar and like yeah they they they're packaging something but it's something else you know right it's furioso's fucking movie yes it is we're, oh wait you you wait out there folks that that overindulgent episode is coming it's happening for realsies. Erica loves that movie. When we watch it again, though, are we going shiny and chrome or full color? I think I'd go full color. Yeah. Because I, I like the shiny and chrome edition, but there's something to be said for the color palette in that movie. Oh, it's and incredible. On that TV? Yes. Yeah. 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 Someone's going to steal that TV one day because we just talk it up so much. I know. I'm, we'll be sad. We'll It'll be a sad Very day. sad. <laughs> the f- my, uh, and I know we've we've said this before too, but my I was ambivalent about the television for a long time. And then, because I was just like, this is, this is fucking dumb. It was Coco, right? No, it wasn't. You know what movie that was. We sat down and we watched Pacific Rim on that biz. And I was like... I thought it was Coco, it that, Coco. That, co- that converted you. It wasn't. It was Pacific Rim. I mean, Coco looked... Coco is stunningly beautiful, and from what I could see through of it, through my uh, uh, keening at the end of that movie, <laughs> uh, beautiful, stunningly gorgeous movie. Um, but no, it was watching Pacific Rim on it and just being like, okay, you motherfucker, fine. Fine. I know what I'm doing. You do know what you're doing. With some things. With some things. <laughs> With some things. HDR Freckles. I know... Well. It's right where you want to be. I know... I know home theater. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and one, one thing I really kind of uh, came to appreciate more uh, this watching is that whole, really the final sequence, um, not the parade so much, because that's always been delightful, but just the whole cathedral scene where, and I think because it was a lot more um visually dynamic because mm-hmm. of the TV we watched it on. Yeah. But just everything kind of going on while, you know, Batman gets up there, he's fighting with like the henchmen and you've got the Joker just like waltzing with like Kim Basinger kind of oh, like Oh, he's so goofy. Completely out of it like it's like she's dead and he's still like no, nah, no, nah, we're dancing. We we have to be dancing because this is just the narrative that I have written for myself. And it's awesome because <laughs> he's really like getting into it and she's just completely like limp in his arms it's glorious it's so weird it's outstanding um what one of the interesting things about this movie it, it very different from uh particularly more recent batman movies um batman gets his ass kicked in this movie. He does. That was one of the other cool things that I noticed with uh, with uh, the higher definition is the suit is like fucked up. Like yeah. the, the rubber is like chewed up on his face after he crashes the Batwing. And that's rad. Yeah. Battle damage, Bob. That's right where you want to be. Dino damage. Dino damage. Love it. 
It's great. Um, but no, he gets his bike like, and you think about like more more recent movies of like these thugs that were. That's a word I haven't used in a long time. Thug's a great word. It's so great. It's not as good as goon, mm. but thug is good. Thug is good. I like thug more, I think. But really? No, I like goon. But goon so, is good. You know, these thugs, they, they would have just been, you know, he more recent Batman would have just been like, eh, go away. <laughs> well, even some of the shots, like, because there's not, for it being a superhero movie, there's not a ton of action. No. But when they're shooting those fight scenes in the clock tower, like when they have like the wide shots where they have the one guy who has like the rope with the the thing on the end of it mm-hmm. and they're like fighting with that. Um I I just one of the wide shots really struck me where it's it, it just it worked the way that they were like just doing the whole thing. Yeah. But um the other thing I enjoyed was that uh and again, just that whole final sequence just worked for me. I, I don't know if it's more because I think like looking back, you kind of look back at that, especially looking at how superhero movies are now. It is very muted and kind of like, oh, okay, like what? It's just kind of you, feels like it peters out. But on this viewing, I appreciated it a lot more. I, I really liked that um, that final confrontation between Batman and the Joker isn't this like, let's destroy half of Metropolis. It's no like Batman has the Joker like way outmatched, but the Joker's still having a good time with it. Right. He does the gag with the teeth. He does the you wouldn't hit a guy with glasses, because in this in this uh, movie, um, Jack Napier killed uh, the Waynes. Yep. Is what you you come to find out. Um, so they have this whole because Batman was the one that. Uh, uh, was the reasoning for the Joker being created because he tossed him in the vat of chemicals. That's also a great set, that Axis Chemicals yeah. set. It's outstanding. Um, uh, Batman also blows it up with about 50 employees in there as well because he's an unrepentant murderer in this movie. Murderers. You know, whatever. Speaking of the Joker being hilarious and great in this movie, the boxing glove through the TV. Oh, it's wondrous. <laughs> It's great because it's like, where did you get that? <laughs> what what is going on? And he's like, no, I I need this guy. This is part it part of the whole aesthetic. This is something that I need. Well, and you know, it, it was reminiscent in an odd way of a lot of the sets in Batman Forever, but not so over the top that you're just like, this is dumb. Right. It didn't ever. It it is over the top, in part. Yeah. But not, but not to the Bruckheimer level that those movies go to. Well, it's also not shot entirely in Dutch angles, which I mean, I enjoy a Dutch angle. I don't need my whole movie to be Dutch angles. Um, thank you, thank you. Things I remember about Batman Forever. Uh, <laughs> oh, it has been a minute since I've watched Batman Forever. Oh, um, oh what else? Uh, Robert Wool is in this movie. He is wooling it up. <laughs> <laughs> is what is it, Alexander Knox? He's yeah. the intrepid reporter, yeah. Uh, uh, who Vicky Vale is working with, um, and yeah, I mean, I, I'm kind of ambivalent on him. I liked Arliss the little bit I watched of it, but mm-hmm. I could take or leave him. But even the newsroom in this movie, it feels like a lived-in like yeah space, mm-hmm. you know, which is really which is cool. It's that like you go back and you look at. Um, 
uh, what was the Superman movie called? Man of Steel. Mm-hmm. Like you look at the Daily Planet, and it doesn't have that like it doesn't have an aesthetic. No, it, and I think that's what these movies do so well yeah. is there's a visual style to it that carries throughout the entire film, and it's that decoy sort of like you you really don't know what time you're in because it's it's not the visuals don't tie it to any one time right and then you look at something like man of steel and you're just it's it's it's, it's dull, like someone it's, said this is what it this is what a modern newsroom looks like and it's like yeah but it's boring right do something with it make it interesting you you're know? in a fant- fantastical world where there are superheroes why does the newsroom have to be right? Do something with it, you know. You know, like make it interesting. What would Guillermo's newsroom look like? Hopefully, someday we'll find out, Bob. <laughs> Hopefully, someday we'll find out. Um, uh, let's see. I don't know what else. Would you like to discuss about let me, this let me movie? See. Let's see. I know you've got copious notes. I do. I do. Uh, but oh, one person that I really wanted to call out was Stereo Guy. I believe his name was Lawrence. He's the Joker Stereo Guy. He holds the stereo. Call out to Lawrence. Shout out to Lawrence. I appreciated <laughs> that. Um, the beret he wears. The giant, ridiculous beret. Oh. That's what's great about this movie is those little, those little touches like that. Mm-hmm. Or even when they're walking up. Uh, from the base of the museum into the restaurant and there's that really weird like fucked up painting and they f- messed up all the other ones and the Joker's like nah I like this one Let- let's leave this one you know <sighs> and just little moments like when you're in her apartment it's that scene where Bruce comes and then the Joker comes in shortly after Bruce is trying to tell her that he's Batman and he uh, tells her that Alicia threw herself out the window. And he breaks the mask on the uh, mantle. Mm-hmm. And she grabs the bowl of popcorn, the glass bowl, because she's like, I don't want him to break my bowl of popcorn. So I'm going <laughs> to grab that because I can't handle this. I mean, I wish she had a little bit more to do. Yeah. Because she's largely inconsequential. Well, and. And that's the thing I've I even debated about whether I wanted to bring up in this movie. It was just the, you know, amazing misogyny um, that the characters express. Yeah. But, you know, it's one of those things where it's the 80s. It was a different time. But um, it, because they almost play it off like, oh, she's going to be really strong, like a strong-willed person. She kind of gives Robert Wool's character the cold shoulder and a little bit. And it's like, um, but that doesn't pay off, you know, that they don't go anywhere with that beyond that. Not really. They they have some like kind of witty banter. She says goodbye to him. Like at the end, like, yeah. you know, I guess she's done reporting. She's not going to do that anymore. I mean, if, I guess if you were going to go and, you know, marry Bruce Wayne, you didn't really need to worry about cash anymore either. I'd be like, yeah, let's yeah. just go live in the mansion and fuck all these plebes. I'm down with that. Um, but she does not return when Batman does. Well, and I think that's a shame. And it's something that those movies, the older one, they, they weren't looking at the bigger MCU picture because nobody was. You yeah. Know? Um, 
no one was looking at that continuity between movies. And that's fine. I well, mean, it's it, not a big deal. Yeah, I mean, and it definitely was a very different time in Hollywood. Oh, definitely. And, you know... I, you were pre-Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings is what really... Everything has to be a massive money-churning franchise. Well, that and... I am just thinking, you know, in 2019, while there's still definitely a huge disparity... Um, the really good female actors these days have more pull. Oh yes, than yes. they did. You know, like in that regard, yes. You know, like they can they can get away with throwing their weight around more now. Um, you know, th- one of my favorite stories is um Julianne Moore. You know, she said when she when she got her gig, she was like, "I'll take literally anything because I know once I hit thirty five, they won't. They'll I'm stop not going to work anymore." Unfortunately. Right. She's Julian fucking Moore, right? Right, and Hollywood has changed a little bit. And, and then we never would have had evolution, though, Bob. And while that's not a good movie, I enjoy it. <laughs> that would be one of two movies. <laughs> movies that time has forgotten. That have not aged well. I think we need to we need to rename the podcast. I'm not renaming the podcast. After be, the movie is like a perfect name. To be... Bob and Erica just want to talk about movies in general, but we're going to watch a movie to center the conversation around. Well, no, I think that's a long title, (laughs) but that's the problem with some of these movies that we really, we really dig is that. And I do think that we've spoken a lot about not only the aesthetics, uh, because the story here, there's not much to talk about story wise. Look at all of our favorite movies though. Oh, no, yeah. Simple. That's something that we've said from the beginning. Mm-hmm. You start to get overly complex. Not that you can't follow a complex movie, but in the wrong hands, it's 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 garbage. It, it's not. It's be complex in your details. Be simple in your plot. Right. Well, and the whole... Th- one of the things you'll always hear uh, is that there are no unique stories. And there's not. There aren't. Everything has been told. Mm-hmm. It's the way you present it. It's the trappings that you give it to me in. You know what I was thinking? What were you thinking? I was thinking, man, wouldn't it be great if Lord and Miller did a Batman story? Well, but... No, they didn't have anything to do with Lego Batman, did they? I don't think so. I'm just thinking a la Into the Spider-Verse. Ah, yes. Oh, what a great movie. That was an awesome movie. Wonderful movie. Um, Please see our previous episode on it. Yeah. Excellent movie. Wonderful movie. Uh, one of the few movies I've watched multiple times in the past year. Mm, yeah. So, anywho. Well, uh, one other thing, though. Uh, one, I love, like, love, like, the very end of this movie. Because it's simple, but it's awesome. So you have Batman has rid the city of the menace of the Joker. Uh, he's pre- in pretty good at the cops. The cops, because at first the cops are like, we don't know about this guy. But they're down now. So uh, uh, they have they have this big kind of press conference going on. It's the mayor, it's Harvey Dent, and it's uh, Commissioner Gordon. And uh, Batman has sent them a letter. And it's very like... You know, superhero-y and whatever. Mm-hmm. And what, what is it? If the forces of evil shove arise again, all you have to do is call and I'll answer. Or whatever the line is. 
and Robert Wool's character goes, call him. How, how do we do that? And uh, Commissioner Gordon, uh, I love the line reading here. He gave us the signal. And then they flip the bat uh, signal on and the, the score starts up again. Uh, uh, and it's awesome. And they get it in the sky, whatever. And then you have Kim Basinger meeting up with Alfred, get in the car. I'm going to go, oh, Master Wayne's going to be late. No, yeah, of course he is. And then they do that rising up from the from the streets of Gotham. You got the great miniature work again. The great Danny Elfman score. The score is swelling, and then you've got just the, the bat signal in the sky. You got Batman staring at it. End of your movie. Let's replay the theme while we do the credits. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Love it. And they parallel that in uh, Returns, because they end with the bat signal, and it's Catwoman. That kind of rises from the bottom of the screen to be looking at it. It reminds me a lot of the end of the original trilogy, each of those movies, and the just the way it builds, and they they make such good use of the score. Oh yeah, because this score is like a plus. And, and that you know, it's something I know I bring up, and especially anytime the score is good, like it. The, the score is the unseen hero of a lot of movies that really can make or break those moments. Oh, yeah. And, you know, how many times have you seen, like, there there are definitely times in, like, um, Marvel movies where they kind of tried it and it didn't quite work out. Like, that Avengers theme is pretty good, mm-hmm. but, you know, but, like, you think about, Every time you break to credits in Star Wars is usually, has always been good. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, we used the, the, the uh, fucking um, throne room from the end of A New Hope as our mm-hmm. exit music at our wedding. Right. That was great. You know how they'll get me to get Disney Plus, Bob? Because that's where they're going to have the versions of uh, the original trilogy that I want to watch. Yeah, but I want those on 4K Blu-ray. Oh, I do as well. In complete uncompressed format that I won't have to deal with buffering, and it will be great. And I do think we are going to get that. How Disney. I will pay. I'll pay a a, a ridiculous amount of money. Obscene amount of money for those three discs. (laughs) So, Bob... It's been a while. Where does been Batman '89 rank on the hot dog scale? Um, oh, where does Batman '89 rank on the hot dog scale? Batman '89 is Batman '89 is a ballpark dog. And I don't mean the ballpark brand. You mean going to a ballpark and getting a hot dog? Yeah. You know, you're always you're always looking forward to it. It it has its flaws, but it's just a goddamn enjoyable hot dog. It's always there for you. Yes. <laughs> now, a uh, trickier question, I think, because I think, well, one is, would you recommend this movie? Yes. I wholeheartedly would. But my other question is, is this, because to me, this is an important movie. Because again, we were big 
my dad is a big mm-hmm. Batman fan. One of my favorite heroes. Something we watched a ton as a kid. Having... Can someone now say you're a young person? That's an ancient saying, young person. Who has seen all of the Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of your template for a superhero movie. Can you go back having never seen 89? Can you go back and watch that and find it enjoyable? Ooh, that is a tough question. Because this is something I struggle with. Because now that we have uh, a daughter who I... I we're going to need to show her Star Wars at some point. Mm-hmm. And it's like... How, when do you when do you show that? Because right. you can't see all the wonders of CG and then watch Star Wars with the same sort of wonder and awe. Cause I, I was pretty little. I want to say I was like either 8, 9, or 10 when I saw Star Wars for the first time. I think... I think this is a movie that you're going to have to to truly appreciate. You're going to have to be a little older to watch because you need to get past the age where you're just blown away by spectacle um and that because yeah this isn't a movie you need to have you need to have an appreciation of detail and um the full art form and um you know in terms and like star wars i feel like you could probably introduce that to a kid a lot younger because it is such an upbeat movie. Yeah, this is... You know, is it's something that could keep their attention. Dark and gloomy, and eh, it can be a little scary. Yeah, so, you know, it's going to... Th- and then compared to, you know, stuff that's going to be... Um, the contemporary stuff is is going to be harder to make that comparison. But it's like, you know, I think about it, like, when did you start getting into classic movies? Um, you know, like, I didn't watch Casablanca until probably 24 25 see it's weird with us because some like jaws jaws was on a heavy rotation when i was young yeah we watched like and jaws was like what 10 15 years old by the time you saw it probably older than that oh when did jaws come jaws out? was the 70s i want to say yeah so yeah but you well yeah it was 75 so by the time you would have watched it Probably like 20 years, I would say. Eh, okay, fine. Ish. Yeah. Ish. But, and I've always loved, Jaws is a great movie. Yeah. You know, even as a kid, I enjoyed it. I think as I grew to appreciate, you know, the artistry of movies as a whole, I grew to appreciate it a lot more. You know, when you read about, yeah. like, the back, uh, the stories about it and that kind of stuff, it's it becomes more... Well, and I think an interesting point in making this comparison talking about you know uh the generation after us and then you know um our daughter's generation will be the the rate in which the wastelanders yes yes um the rate in which technology has improved you know vastly oh yeah you know you look at a movie from like the 70s to the the beginning of the 70s to the late 80s not I mean, there were huge technological advances, but not the way you would look at from like the early aughts to like right when the the jump to CG, right? You right. know, um, like a lot of the stuff that set that you know along Star Wars, uh, Alien, a lot of the sci-fi movies, but a lot of 
like the non-science fiction movies were st- kept pretty much the same skill set between mm-hmm. those. Right. And there were minor, you know, relative, I will say relatively minor um, differences in, uh, in, you know, uh, visual fidelity, stuff like that. Um, so it, it will be interesting to, to see, you know, that perspective when they're old enough. Well, and what I really hope for in my heart of hearts and it's because of movies like this it's because of movies like spider-verse it's because of you know guillermo del toro's stuff i want to see more stylized shit yeah that's what stands out to me and i think that even john wick to an extent you could say that's pretty stylized it has its own its own visual language i think that's how you distinguish yourself and that's how at least to uh, to me well and think about you would agree with that but you know, one of your favorite video games of all time, um, Wind Waker. Right. Like, I think I was the only person I'm bitching about the visual style in that movie, in that game, because I was just stoked because I thought it looked beautiful. Yeah, it was gorgeous. And it doesn't age poorly. Right. It still looks gorgeous today. Now, you go back and you look at, you know, Ocarina of Time on the N64. And it's aged. It's aged poorly. One yeah. of my favorite games, Final Fantasy VII, not the remaster shit looks it 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 has aged poorly you right. know at least the polygonal characters the backgrounds are still gorgeous but mm-hmm. um it's not always oh we're gonna be realistic and dark and gritty because it's always where it kind of goes it's not the good gritty the bad gritty it <coughs> it's um gritty semi pork roll <laughs> it's uh i like stuff that has its own you know, uh, visual style, and yeah. it, it that that's what appeals to me. Because it's another way to make it interesting, right. and I, I like stuff that I can go back to, and like this, for example, and like realizing on this watch through that the fucking Joker cars have Christmas lights in the in the back windows. Did you notice that the helicopter is branded too? Yes, I did. I loved oh, that. I loved it. Yes. It was great. <laughs> you improve Joker products. We, Love we, that Joker. You know, it's 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 that whole uh, that world building, that attention to detail, um, caring about what you're making, and not just churning out something that the studio wants you to churn out. Exactly. Um, and you know, there's a place for those movies. There's you know, and but when a movie like this comes around, that is iconic. Um, you know, it's special. And it deserves, you know, appreciation for that. Mm-hmm. And so it, it is sad when, you know, a movie like Pacific Rim comes around that is a lot better than it got credit for. Um, Did well enough to get a sequel. Barely. And then they tanked the sequel. But um, So much promise, Bob. Or like your Scott Pilgrim's. Now I'm still very happy that Scott Pilgrim didn't make enough money to get a sequel. I'm very happy it didn't get a sequel. Um, it just, but it, at the same time, it's a shame it, it was underappreciated because it, it's such a a great not. A, it's a good story and it's just so creatively done. We should do that. We should rewatch that and have a conversation about that. Because I don't know how... I had no connection to the comics. I only saw the movie and I absolutely loved it. But I I would like to go back and rewatch that and have a conversation about it. Yeah, that'd be a good one. Yeah, 
I think so. Because we don't know, we don't only do new, new movie. No, no, we can go back. Well, and I think um, you know our dozen should be aware that we probably will be a little more focused on older stuff for a little while. Yes, it's going to be hard for us to get out to the movies. Um, I mean, there is still more recent stuff from this year that we missed. Mm-hmm. I do still want to watch the It movies. Um, I heard Bill Hader was amazing in the second one, but then I also heard the second one is like three and a half fucking hours, oh, and Jesus it's like, can we just Christ. can we can we get to the end of the killer fucking clown movie, please? Um, that's another one where the the fandom has. It's interesting, so I, I I'd like to see the movie to see where where all that art that's on my dash is coming from. <laughs> Um, but no, there's stuff that we missed. Uh, we'll like to see Joker at some point. There's yep. uh, a plethora of stuff that we do still want to watch. Somehow we have to manage to go see Star Wars. I don't know how we're gonna do it, but we'll we'll do it. Again, I'm not sure how. We here's what we'll do. We'll tag team it with Sam and Jack. So we'll have you and Sam go see it. Do they like Star Wars? Are they Star Wars people? Maybe. I don't know. I feel like Jack isn't a Star Wars person. Because it's one of those things that I expect he should like. And then I mention something about it. And he's like, oh, I don't like that. And it's like, why do we talk again? Yeah. I mean, he didn't like the Lego movie. There was something the other day, too, that he said that I was like, what? What do you, what do you, oh, he didn't like the Treehouse of Horror episodes of The Simpsons. And it was just like. monster. Who he's are, just an absolute who, monster. Who are you, sir? I feel like he's buttering us up to murder us because only th- that's the kind of monstrous thing that someone who doesn't like the Lego movie would do. You know, he does dig uh, a campaign two of Critical Role, though, so I have something to discuss that shit. <laughs> he's almost caught up. I really need somebody to talk about this latest episode with because it was fucking amazing. Dozens, if any of you watch Critical Role, please message in. I, I need somebody to talk about it with. Because Bob doesn't really, that's not really his jam. I don't understand how you can sit there and listen to someone else's campaign, but that's just me. Yeah, I've done it with a couple different things. I so. know. Adventure Zone for life, Robert. So, yeah, I, I, uh, I'm i not sure what our next episode will be. And I, I will say that the episodes will probably be a little less frequent until we can find kind of a... A pa- like a good sort of uh, balance. Uh, balance when uh, when Izzy finally comes home. Um, but yeah, I think we're gonna try. You know, for at least you know one two episodes a month. Don't don't hold us to that. But uh, we will be here for you, dozens, because we love you. Uh, you've been with us for a while. Hopefully, maybe there are some people from the beginning. I don't know. If you are out there, we we appreciate you and we love you very very dearly. So. Uh, what else did we talk? We talked about maybe doing Die Hard for like Christmas or whatever. We'll see. That's another. That'll be another like overly indulgent long episode. But maybe we can pepper in some. Uh, take a look what's on uh, uh, streaming services and see what we can't. Uh, newer stuff that we can't jump. We on. did want to watch the Predator. We've been talking about that for like years at this point. <laughs> <laughs> but I do believe that's on something. Yeah, it's on one of the streaming services, so we can jump on that and and give it a watch. I would also like a, a platform to talk about BoJack. I don't know if this is the show to do that on, but uh, maybe we can do a special episode in regards to that because that's coming to an end in January, and uh, I've got a lot to say about. 
Did we do an overly indulgent episode on Alien? We never did. We, we never watched did. it because you got the the 4K, but we never did the episode. Yeah. Which is I just over. have to watch it again. Ah, uh, fuck. Fuck, Bob. <sighs> now we just need we need the Aliens 4K. Well, if we're going to watch Alien and we're going to do an overly indulgent episode on that, we're definitely watching Aliens and doing an overly indulgent episode on that as well. Because... But what are we even doing? When I hear people who haven't seen those movies, I just don't understand it. There's just certain stuff that's so fundamental to me that when I hear somebody hasn't seen it or is ambivalent towards it, it it personally offends me. You know? And it's it's I, I think I'm getting better about that because it's like, okay, whatever. Everybody's got different tastes. But... <laughs> No, they're wrong, and they should feel bad. Okay, okay, we can go with that then. Yeah, that's good. That works for me. Yeah. So keep an eye out on the feed, guys. Uh, we're gonna try and be better about social media as well, cause we're fucking terrible at that. But uh, follow the after the movie uh, Twitter handle. We'll try and uh, be a little bit more updaty on there. Updaty. Uh, you can also bother me. I'm on Twitter at uh, Lady Near the Lake. Bob is also on Twitter at Other Rides. Um, so if you'd like to bother us, please. Please jump on and uh I never chat. tweet about the podcast, but I will retweet whatever you post, but Bob tweets at the uh on the Metra and that's the only person that he interacts with on Twitter. Well the rest of it's just a cesspool of horribleness, so it is. Though I have my nice little corner of uh uh, uh folks who are still into Pacific Rim and appreciate uh uh cute faces, so my little corner is full of sunshine and light. So, you know, it, it, it is what you put into it, Bob. What did you ask me today? You know what's great? Charlie Dave's freckles. He almost crashed the car, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, go watch Batman 1989. Appreciate the artistry. Appreciate the performance of Jack Nicholson. Enjoy yourself. And we will see you next time. Thank you very much for listening. Bye. This has been a Puma Knife production.